It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. This is Christian Questions. After the podcast, check out everything ChristianQuestions.com has to offer. Also see our weekly video series releases at ChristianQuestions.com slash YouTube. Here's your hosts, Rick and Jonathan. Albert Schweitzer once said, at times our own light goes out and is rekindled by a spark from another person. Each of us has cause to think with deep gratitude of those who have lighted the flame within us. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. And joining me as always is Jonathan, my co-host for more than two decades. This podcast centers on godly principles, family values, and honest dialogue in a politically free zone. All right, so Jonathan, what is our topic for today's episode? Well, Rick, our question is, how can we be thankful after the year we've had? And our theme text is found in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, so how can we be thankful after the year we've had? Coming up in today's podcast, that's a loaded question. It is. (laughs) (laughs) With all that's gone haywire in 2020, gratitude seems almost laughable. Can gratitude really change how we handle our massive challenges? We're going to talk about this in just a few minutes. COVID-19 and social unrest have essentially destroyed many people's peace and contentment, and this is tragic. So what effect can simple gratitude have on this mess? Find out in about 15 minutes. And is gratitude supposed to work because we repeat what we're thankful for over and over again? Is this a fake it until you make it therapy? No, absolutely not. Find out why not and what makes gratitude work in about 30 minutes. But first, let's set our context in order. Usually, this time of year signals having a more festive outlook on things. Having the American holiday of Thanksgiving behind us and Christmas approaching signals cheerful, generous, and pleasant interactions. Decorations, excitement, and goodwill prevail. Usually. Then there was the year 2020, which brought a pandemic to the world, the likes of which has not been seen in a hundred years. Good cheer is overrun by depression. Happiness is crushed by anxiety. And anticipation has turned to foreboding. We're all currently stuck in the mud of uncertainty and often spin our wheels in frustration only to sink deeper. COVID-19 has brought our fears of what was unknown nine months ago into the light of what is known, and that feels even more terrifying. So the answer to this dilemma is in plain sight, but it is not easily understood. And yes, the answer is gratitude. Seriously, gratitude properly understood and applied is life-changing. Jonathan, they've got to, everybody's got to stay with us to learn how this works. Absolutely, Rick. And platitudes are easy. Gratitude is hard. Our circumstances and emotions fight it. Okay, wait, platitudes are easy. What's a platitude? Well, um, the quality or state of being dull or insipid, or the second definition, a banal, trite, or stale remark. Okay, so what does all that mean? Platitudes are words that are empty. Things that we say because we know we should say them, but we don't have anything of substance behind them. So today what we're doing is we're looking at platitudes and we're looking at gratitude. And you said platitudes are easy. Gratitude is hard. So emotionally, platitudes we gravitate towards because, like you said, they're easy. We're going to be referencing an article that, Jonathan, I will confess that you really don't like very much. (laughs) No, I don't. Hmm. But we're going to be referencing this article because it's about gratitude. And it doesn't have a very strong, uh, it's it's not a good advertisement for, for living a life of gratitude. It's uh, the article, we're going to be reading parts of it. Uh, you have, it's, it, it's the, t- the title is, You Have Permission to Not Be Thankful This Thanksgiving by Alison Hope from CNN. So we're going to drop in on this article as kind of a kickoff point for each of our segments to take a look at Well, how should gratitude work in the life of a Christian? So let's listen to this first part. And again, we're excerpting specific parts from the article, not the entire thing. 
You can serve up a portion of gratitude for your Thanksgiving this year, but don't expect me to join you. I'm going to focus on eating my feelings with extra helpings of sweet potato pie that I don't have to share with anyone because no one else is coming to Thanksgiving. In a year when a once-in-a-century pandemic collided with social and political unrest, an unhinging economy and job market, and increasingly severe weather events, I vacillate between feeling something more akin to sheer terror. That's on the opposite end of the spectrum from gratitude. My cornucopia is impacted by supply chain shortages, global trade wars, and an impending dark winter that is coming more quickly than I'd like. Okay, we're going to pause there. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have a sense of, wow, what a great time to be, to just pause and be thankful. You have a, time, a, a sense of, wow, here's a time to complain. You know, my cornucopia is impacted by supply chain shortages, global trade wars, and impending dark winter. Now, let, let's pause there just for a second. I, I don't want to say too much here yet. But you know what, ma'am? Your cornucopia is fine. Apparently, you're working because you're writing articles for CNN. Okay? How, when's the last time you went hungry? When's the last, even for a day, when's the last time you had no shelter? When's the last time you didn't have money? When's the last time you didn't have security? Now, look. A lot of us go through lack of those things. And what do we do when we have a lack of those things? But more importantly, at this point, this question is, what do we do when we don't have a lack of those things, but we still don't have gratitude? And that's what we want to use this article as a kickoff point for. As a comparison, let's look at somebody who has had an enormously difficult experience enter their lives and watch and walk through that experience with them. We're going to be referencing just a few pieces of a TED Talk by Tanmeet Sethi, um, and her TED Talk is titled, Two Words That Can Change Your Life. And, you know, and she's talking about the words, thank you. So we're dropping in. She says an awful lot on this TED Talk. I highly recommend it. Um, but we're just dropping in on one of her personal stories to illustrate what true gratitude can actually do for you uh, when you are in a, in a tight spot. Let's listen. On a bright, sunny September day eight years ago, I was pregnant with our third child when my husband and I received news that transformed our lives forever. On that day, our second son, almost three years old at the time, was diagnosed with Duchenne muscular dystrophy. DMD is a progressive neuromuscular disease that causes muscle weakness and wasting. It gives no muscle in the body mercy, affecting everything from the legs to the heart and the lungs. There is no cure. As a physician, I knew all too well what lay ahead. After the diagnosis, I was desperate for a way out of my anguish. I tried prayer. I tried reading all the self-help books you could think of. I tried gratitude for my many blessings, but none of it was working. So now, first of all, Jonathan, the idea of a child, a three-year-old child, having such a debilitating disease has got to just completely knock you off your feet. Oh, this poor mother. She, this is overwhelming. Yeah. To hear news like this, and being a professional, a doctor, she understands it better than most people yeah. would ever understand. Oh, that's heartbreaking. It is. It is It is incredibly heartbreaking. And so what she does is because she's a holistic practitioner, she goes at it with the attitude of, okay, let me find the things that, that can help me cope. And she says, I tried this. I tried prayer. I tried self-help books. I tried gratitude for the things that, that, you know, the good things in life. And none of it worked. And, you know, you look at this and you say, I can't blame her for not having any of it work. Your three-year-old is suffering and is going to have a life of difficulty. How does this fit into gratitude? Well, folks, you've got to stay with us on this. Well, think about a mother. The pain, having a child endure pain, that must have drove her crazy, yeah. Rick. Yeah, yeah, and any mother, any mother especially, not to, to, to downplay the role of a father, but you know, when you're looking at a mother and their child, there's this incredible connection and you say, wow, this is a really hard thing to deal with. Well, there, there was a great article on Apple News by Bill Murphy Jr. titled, People who can't say they're thankful for these seven things will have a very hard time in 2021. We'll share these points throughout the podcast. And first, he suggests, 
be grateful that you're alive? Can you imagine all the highly unlikely things that had to happen in order for you to even have been born? So be grateful that your parents met. Even though there are more than 7 billion people alive on the planet, that doesn't make this gift of life less unique. The gift of life is worth being very thankful for. That is really powerful. This, that simple little thing, just the all of the things that had to fall into place for you to be who you are. And I will tell you just at this moment, I am grateful that you are exactly who you are. So because it has blessed my life. And, you know, that's part of the, the, this, this whole thing of looking at things through the eyes of gratitude. And I'm grateful for you too, brother. Well, you know, we go back a long way there, don't we? We do. We do indeed. <laughs> so we're going to really look at choosing gratitude. Now, how do you do that? You choose it by, ser- by choosing to serve and, to re- and revere God. We're going to review actually 12 points of gratitude to help us focus on true life-changing gratitude. We got these 12 points. We just lifted them out of an article called The Power of Gratitude, 12 Benefits of Giving God Thanks. And we'll have that referenced for you uh, in the uh, show notes. So again, the article is called The Power of Gratitude, 12 Benefits of Giving God Thanks. So we're going to go through uh, three each segment. So the first point, Jonathan, very straightforward. Gratitude glorifies God. It's a very straightforward statement, and it's really an important one, like a foundation. First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Rick, there it is, the the gratitude. Proclaim the excellencies of him. There it is, from the heart. Um, But the why, what about the why? Why be grateful? Because we're called in such a special way. We are. It's it's amazing, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. There's something powerful that we have to have this, this, this instinctive gratitude for. The Christian calling is laser-focused on a transformation that glorifies God. And Rick, that poses the question, what about me? Yeah, what about me? How am I doing by focusing on that transformation rather than other things? we got to go through these things, Jonathan. The second point, gratitude helps us to, quote, unquote, see God. We're going to look at Joshua 24, 15 to 17. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers serve, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose lands you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve the other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage and who did these great signs in our sight and preserved us through all the way in which we went and among all the peoples through whom midst we passed. So basically, Rick, they're saying, make your choice. Remember what happened to your fathers? And they say, of course we remember. Well, the lesson is that whenever we forget the providence of God, we lose our grip on gratitude. And that is such an important thing, and that's why God put the Passover in place, you know, the, 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 the celebration of it, because that helped them keep their gratitude focused. And that's what we need to do as well. By being reminded of their nation's past, Israel was able to be reminded of God's providence. Again, Rick, what about me? Do I look back and embrace his deliverances? And Rick, we should build on our Ebenezer experiences to remind us so it stays real in our head. That's what gratitude is. No, Ebenezer means stone of help, which is a tangible reminder of the Lord's power and protection in our past experiences. And, and it comes from 1 Samuel 7. So journaling is a great way to remember. It is, it is. And I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but I, I carry what's called, what was, was explained to me as a gratitude stone. It's a little stone, a little smooth stone I keep in my pocket. And Jonathan, I wanted to just mention one quick experience. And it was just a week or two ago. I got dressed, I went to my office, and I forgot my gratitude stone. 
and I, it's always in my pocket. And I'm never consciously aware of it, but for some reason, I was really aware that I forgot it. Oh, and it was man. very frustrating because it's like, wait, wait, wait. I have to make, make sure I focus. And it's a really big lesson that you go back to things to help you remember to have gratitude be a sincere part of our lives. But this little stone has walked with me for years and years and years in my left uh, pants pocket because it reminds me of what's most important. So that brings us to the third point. Gratitude puts us squarely in God's will. Hebrews 13, 15 to 16. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of the lips that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Okay, squarely into God's will. Pleasing God puts us in line for his continued providence. What, what's better than that? But what about me? Do I seek and have faith that his providence will continue? You got to ask ourselves these questions because this helps us focus in on the depths of gratitude. Where gratitude really can flourish, it's got to be deep. And so, Jonathan, as we, as we end each segment, we're going to ask the question, do I choose an attitude of platitudes, like you talked about before, or an attitude of gratitude? Is my seeking to praise, honor, and to be thankful to God sincere, or is it just on the surface? Which way is it? And if it's just on the surface, what can I do about it? And stay tuned with us, and we'll, we'll, we'll work on that together. Jonathan, just one quick verse before we close this segment. The context of this next verse is a warning to Jerusalem, and it's a clear warning about God's perspective on platitudes. He doesn't use the word platitude, but listen to how what's described here. This is in Isaiah 29, 13 and 14. Then the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their words and honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me, and their reverence from me consists of tradition learned by rote. Therefore, behold, I will once again deal marvelously with this people, wondrously marvelous, and the wisdom of their wise men will perish, and the discernment of their discerning men will be concealed." Rick, this is definitely an attitude of platitude. Yes, yeah, he talks about lip service, just repeating things learned by rote. That's not what glorifies God. That's not real gratitude. It's just lip service. We have to be really clear about that. And you know, when God says, I'm going to deal with their people marvelously, he's saying, I will show them what they really should be grateful for, because my power is over them, because they are my people. You know, gratitude is not as easy as just saying thank you to anyone and everyone, though it's a really good start. We are seeing that God-centered gratitude keeps our priorities in order. What else does it do for us? One of the simple truths of life is that we need to see the big picture clearly before we can truly dedicate ourselves to the details. Having our view of life come through the eyes of God's providence enables to have us to have our gratitude become an actual healing force in our everyday experiences. Do you want a healing force in your everyday experiences? Learn how to adopt real, true gratitude. And Jonathan, as we start each segment, we've got a, a, just a quote on gratitude. This one is from Henrik uh, Frederick Emil. Thankfulness is the beginning of gratitude. Gratitude is the completion of thankfulness. Thankfulness may consist merely of words. Gratitude is shown in acts. You know, that is such a powerful thing to understand. Gratitude is a way of life. It's not just the platitudes of I'm grateful for my mom and my dad and, and the food that I have and the house that I live in. It is a way, you, you live that gratefulness. That's what the, we, we want this, this all to, to, to come down to. And let's, well, so, so let's get back to the platitude thing. Okay, you got it. Because platitudes are shallow. Gratitude is deep. Our habits continually seek to bury it. You know, it's easy to stay with shallow. And human nature likes shallow because it's easy. And human nature is lazy. Okay, so. True, so true. Okay, let, let's go back to the CNN article uh, uh, that's uh, entitled, You Have Permission to Not Be Thankful This Thanksgiving. <clears throat> I beg to differ. Thank you very much. But anyway, let's go back <laughs> to another piece of that article. I have plenty to be grateful for, I know. 
I remain gainfully employed and am privileged enough to get to work from home. As of this writing, I still have my health, not having yet caught the virus, knock on everything, that has killed more than 1.3 million people around the world. While I know people who have died from COVID-19, including those my age and my extended networks, my immediate circle remains, for the most part, well. And yet, I am incapable of feeling the joy that has, for every Thanksgiving prior to 2020, accompanied me to the homes of friends and family. There will be no road trips, no extended family hugs, no old friends in town visiting and reminiscing over a tall, cold one, no spontaneous moments featuring new characters. This year is all plot twists without the comic relief. Now, okay, you know what? Let's hold on just for a minute here because, you know, she's talking about she's incapable of feeling the joy that has previous Thanksgivings. And, you know, and she, she talks about getting together with friends and that's a great thing. But, Jonathan, I would submit to you that I don't know that she's understanding what true joy is. She's mm. explaining excitement. I've experienced excitement, the excitement of friends and family and all of that. Joy is a very different thing. And we're going to get deeply into joy next segment. But here, this is a common human error. And just a Rick opinion, okay, that we mistake things like excitement for joy. And then we say, oh, the joy of my life is gone. No, it's just you're not excited right now. Let joy is deeper. It's bigger. It's stronger. It dry, it, and it's connected directly to true, deep gratitude. So with that in mind, let's get back to the story. Uh, from Ten Meet Sethi, two words that can change your life, and she just introduced the 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 true difficulties of her three year old son having a debilitating disease, and now she's faced with the challenge of what do I do? How do I cope with this? So I picked up the phone to call one of my most trusted mentors, who I knew would have some wisdom for me. Deborah was my most influential teacher in mind-body medicine, a brilliant integrative psychotherapist who had taught me the foundational work I do with all my patients. And sure enough, she had an answer for me, to find gratitude in this situation. And I'm not kidding. I was like, really? Are you serious? That's all you got? I tried that already, I told her. I need something more powerful. Not gratitude for the good things in my life, she said. Gratitude for my son's illness. Now that made me angry. How can you ask a mother to be grateful that her child will suffer like this? Tell you, Jonathan, that it made me cringe when she, when the first time I heard this story, and she said, "Gratitude for my son's illness." I said, "I'm saying, wait a minute." Wow. Because that's wow. like, wait, wait, how do you expect to go to that point? Now, the story develops. You have to stay with us to hear the rest of the story because it is absolutely profound. But just you see the challenge and you see the depth of what gratitude requires of us. And we'll see how she works this out. It is really, really marvelous. Well, continuing with the article by Bill Murphy Jr. is Be Grateful for Pain and Longing. Good relationships are what makes us happiest and most fulfilled, and all good relationships depend on understanding. If you have never experienced pain and longing, you'd never be able to understand anyone else. But it is also about learning, growing, and moving forward to fix the pain in our own lives. Wow. <laughs> it fits so well with this story. You know, this, this pain and longing that she had to deal with. And you mentioned it before. She's a medical professional. She knows what this is. And, and, and yet she's trying to find a way to be able to not just manage through it, but to overcome it as she deals with it. And that's, that's a tall, tall order. So with that, let's go back to those 12 points. We went through the first, the first three points, and it was uh, gratitude glorifies God. It helps us to see God, and it puts us squarely in God's will. Now we're going to get more down into the, into the what, how does it affect me from the inside out. The fourth point here is gratitude brings peace. And Rick, before we read the scripture, an observation. We can't find peace through platitudes. <laughs> you can't. You know what? We can say the words, but if they're empty words, they're not going to change us. And as a matter of fact, you're just going to frustrate us even more. So how does gratitude bring peace? Well, Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. 
Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, there's a lot here. This verse is worthy of its own podcast, okay? Amen. But for, for the moment, notice the steps that show gratitude, that bring you to gratitude. First, it says rejoice. Then it says live in a Christ-like manner. Then it talks about minimizing anxiousness. Then it says prayerfully and thankfully commune with God. So you're putting all of these pieces together, and now, after all of those things, peace comes. But it doesn't come until we've put all of those other things in order. No platitudes allowed here. It is real-life transformative thinking. Well, Rick, do we take these steps? You know, you got to ask, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Because it's one thing to read it and to, to intellectually understand it, okay? But it's another thing to say, I need to do something with this. Well, Rick, our victory is in the effort, not in the results. Yeah. How can we be faithful? We need to work at it over and over again. That's such an important point. Our victory is not in the results, it's in the effort. Why? Because God knows we're not perfect, and he knows we keep falling down, but he just wants to see us get up again. And there, that is where victory comes. And that's where peace can come. Even if you're not there, like disappointed, as long as you keep getting up, you can find peace that passes all understanding if we go through these steps. The next point, the fifth point in, in gratitude towards God is gratitude draws us to God. James 4, 6 through 8. But he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Okay. Humility. How many times do we end up talking about humility as the foundation for something or other in our Christian life? True gratitude towards God is not possible without a humble spirit. It's just, it's just, it's an impossibility. Forget about it. If you don't have a humble spirit, you'll never find true gratitude. This humble gratitude brings submission to God, and submission is the act of being drawn to him. When we submit to God, we are drawn to him because we see him as bigger than we are. Then the question is, Rick, how strong is my humility? And you know, Jonathan, wherever we are with our humility, it can always be stronger. It can always be better. And wherever you are, folks, just look at it, take a snapshot and say, okay, how can I become more humble in God's eyes so that I can be drawn closer to him? The platitude thing comes out of laziness or an ignorance toward the right things, the deeper things. Maybe it's a fear of, of the deeper things. What do you think? You know, I think it could be. Platitudes are, are simple. They're easy. They don't require a lot of investment of mental energy because we know the right answers. You know, it's interesting. When, when you teach your kids how to pray, you teach them to say, thank you for, you know, God for mommy and for daddy and for my brother and my sister and for the food that we eat. You teach them. And in a sense, you're, 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 you can say, well, what are you teaching them, platitudes? What you're teaching them is how to focus, what things to focus on. As we grow up, we need to deepen the focus on those very things. And just the, 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 the effort that goes into being truly thankful for life, truly thankful for hard experiences that we're seeing in this, in these, uh, this story from Temit Sethi, uh, just helps us to just see things in a different way, and it draws us closer to God. So gratitude, next step, point number six, gratitude brings contentment. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 9. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering, with these we should be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. It is a profound statement that the apostle makes. Godliness with contentment is a means of great gain. Godliness is a gratitude-driven characteristic. 
that opens the door for true contentment. How do you become content? Become more godly, and you'll find contentment. Worldliness, on the other hand, is a sin-driven characteristic that opens the door for comparison and dissatisfaction. And when you're starting to compare yourself to other people and you're dissatisfied, gratitude is nowhere to be found. Well, which do I have? Godly <laughs> gratitude or worldliness? We got to ask those questions. They're really, really important. Do I have that true, deep, heartfelt gratitude? So, so Jonathan, another quick little gratitude story. Um, my, my son, Tim, uh, was visiting us um, a couple weeks ago uh, with his daughter, Adriana. She's five. And Tim is in the Coast Guard. And uh, he's deploying again. He's actually been deployed a couple of days ago. He left. Um, and my nephew, Matthew, who's much younger than Tim, he's probably 14 or 15 years younger than him or so, um, knew that he was coming. And Matt called me and said, Uncle Rick, I've got a great relationship with Matt. And he said, Uncle Rick, you know, I want to get together with Tim uh, because I want to I thank him. I said, for what? He said, because when I was a kid, when I was little, and Tim would spend time with me. And he, and he said, and he was like a superhero to me. And I, and I, I just want to tell him thank you. Now, this, Matt's in his 20s. He's gone through all kinds of troubles in his life, and, and here he is. So Tim comes by, they're visiting, and sure enough, he gets together uh, with Matt, and, and Adriana is there. And, you know, they have their time together and so forth, and Tim leaves, and Matt calls me a couple days later. I said, so Matt, did you get together with Tim? He said, yeah. He said, it was great. And I said, well, why? He said, because I got to tell Tim how much he meant to me and how much of a hero he was to me in front of his five-year-old daughter. Oh, that's awesome. And, you know, <laughs> there's something, that, and, you know, Matt's heart was so bent on being grateful for that experience. And it's a, a great lesson. Has somebody helped you? Show them the gratitude because it does wonders for you and for them as well. I mean, just, it was a great, great story of, you know, putting gratitude in its place. Amen. So, so, so as we wrap up this segment, do I choose an attitude of platitudes or an attitude of gratitude? Is my personal peace, my standing with God, and my personal contentment fueled by shallow feelings or deep convictions? These are mirror questions we have to ask ourselves. Because you know what? The quality of our Christian life depends entirely on the quality of the fuel that propels our peace and contentment. What propels your peace and contentment? If you show us what that is, we can show you where the godliness is and if you will actually feel true peace and contentment that lasts through difficulties. We all want to be at peace in our lives, and yet we generally don't base that desire on a very strong foundation. So, gratitude can bring peace and contentment. What about its effect on our faith and our joy? See, without faith, we cannot consider ourselves Christian. Therefore, any act of righteousness that can enhance our faith, enhance our faith is of priceless value. Because gratitude is an authentic act of righteousness, it powerfully enhances our faith and also strengthens our joy. And I just want to say that again. Gratitude is an authentic act of righteousness, of godly righteousness. And folks, as Christians, we need to seek gratitude with a fierce dedication because it is life-changing. Jonathan, the next quote is from a gentleman by the name of Nick Vujicic. Tell us a little bit about him before we get into the quote. Well, Nick is an Australian-American Christian evangelist and a motivational speaker uh, with Tetra Amelia Syndrome. And here is the quote from Nick. Often people ask how I manage to be happy despite having no arms and no legs. The quick answer is that I have a choice. I can be angry about not having limbs or I can be thankful that I have a purpose. I choose gratitude. And Rick, one of his uh, YouTube videos, uh, he adds some amazing words, and he has several, but he said, if we lose love and hope, we give up. And then he said, find your purpose. So if you get a chance to watch any of his videos, they're very inspiring. Again, it's Nick, and I'll spell the last name, V-U-J-I-C-I-C. 
I see. I'll tell you, he's, he is a powerful, powerful uh, individual because he was born with no arms and no legs. And the way he's learned to live his life, the way he's chosen to live his life is purely, purely inspirational. And it puts the whole idea of platitudes away. But let's get back to the platitude just because we need to, to do the comparison. Platitudes easily roll off our tongues and build up one another. Gratitude is not self-perpetuating. Our human convictions seek to bar it from being planted in our hearts. See, humanity, our human nature likes platitudes because they just, they're just so simple. And gratitude's not self-perpetuating. See, platitudes are protective. Gratitude is growth-oriented. And with growth comes breaking new ground. And that's always scary. So that's why we like platitudes, because they're safe. Gratitude is breaking new ground. It's not safe. So let's get back to let's get back to the 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 article the CNN article uh, that you have permission to not be thankful this Thanksgiving, and just hear the next piece of perspective on the holiday and gratitude. I have landed in a new place this year, one where it's perfectly acceptable to want people to take their gratitude and. Yes, I retain the right to feel full on Scrooge this year, and I invite you to join me. After all, forcing yourself to feel happy or gracious when you simply don't isn't a helpful thing to do. Forced positive thinking, in fact, does not make you happier, according to experts. The practice of gratitude has become popular in recent years, and it can be valuable, but not as a forced one, said Thandui D. Watts-Jones, a clinical psychologist and faculty member at the Ackerman Institute, a family therapy institute in New York City. So here we go. Now we're quoting the science to say, yes, be miserable. It's better for you than forcing gratitude. <laughs> and look, I can understand this, this, the thought about not forcing the gratitude. I, I get that. But if we give up on gratitude and accept the misery, what we're doing, very simply, is we're being defeated in our own existence. There's a better way. And finding how to do that is something that is certainly not easy. As a matter of fact, let's go back to the story to Words Can Change Your Life. Mother, three-year-old son with a debilitating disease, told to have gratitude for her son's disease. How does she handle that? Listen to this. And, and folks, focus in. If you're doing something else, stop. Focus in on what happens in this next soundbite. So I went to my son's bed every night after he fell asleep. And I said, thank you for this illness. But I wasn't feeling very thankful at all. So I tried other things. Thank you for this life. Thank you for this path that we will walk together. I said those things night after countless night through even more countless tears. And slowly something shifted. First, I felt a physical softening. I wasn't saying it through gritted teeth. Then I noticed I wasn't as resistant to being there. I started to stroke his hair as I said it. I started to lay there longer. I even started to look forward to it. And maybe just the act of trying to be grateful was working its magic on me because my resistance to this life was softening. So you can see that she didn't feel it, but she knew she needed it. And so she worked at it, and she, she couldn't get to the point of, thank you for this disease. And I, I can't blame her. But what she does come to the point of saying is, thank you for this life. Thank you for this journey. And she becomes open to what is inevitably in front of her. See, we can close ourselves off to what's in front of us, or we can open ourselves to it. Be thankful that we can have a journey, and that creates meaning. Uh, the acceptance yeah. started to take root. Rich. Yes. Wow, it was a beautiful thing. Yeah, incredible. A few more points from Bill Murphy Jr. Be grateful for your needs. First, be grateful for your needs that are being met. The trickier part, be grateful for unmet needs. Next, be grateful for forgiveness. We all mess up. We all have to ask for forgiveness sometimes. We all have reason to be thankful when it's given. Here's a twist. How about glorify, uh, exploring gratitude for your own ability to forgive? 
I like that one. And and one more, be grateful for your failures. They're also learning opportunities, not just a chance to learn from your mistakes or the times you fall short, but a chance to learn how to fail. You know, and, and there's something there's something elegant in learning how to fail because failure is inevitable and it's okay because God gives us forgiveness and ways to stand up again. I mean, look, deciding to live with gratitude means we will accept living in gratitude as a new and higher way to live no matter what life might bring, no matter how many times we fail, how many times we fall down. If we decide to live with gratitude, just like Tamit was doing in, in, in her story with her son, we are going to be opening ourselves up to the pathway that is inevitably in front of us. And that brings us to point number seven. There's 12 of these points. Point number seven, gratitude deepens faith. Let's break this into two parts. First, God's faith to us. Lamentations 3, 22 to 23. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Well, Rick, God is the template for faithfulness. His loving kindness and his compassions don't fail. They don't. They don't. He's the template because he is faithful. In reciprocation of that, let's look at Psalm 118, 21 to 24. I shall give thanks to you, for you have answered me, and you shall become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So having that reciprocal faithfulness to God, you know, gratitude, when we, when we truly thank God, it helps us to be stronger in that faith that says, you are the source of everything in my life. The more we express our heartfelt gratitude to God, the more we will see his boundless faith and care for us. How readily do I express such deep gratitude? Yeah, see, again, ask the question, where am I with that depth of gratitude? Am I there? And look, if you're not, okay, what am I going to do to take a step towards that? Rick, uh, you, you were sharing with me uh, a story that you went through with your office. I, I think that's a great place uh, to bring this up. Yeah, it, and we, I don't know if we mentioned this on the podcast or not, but you know what? Back August 27th of this year, 2020, the year where everything is falling apart, there was a tornado that came through our hometown, okay? And um, make a very long story short, it ripped part of the roof off of the building where my office is. And I happened to be on the top floor on the side of the building that the roof kind of got ripped off of. <laughs> so, oops. <laughs> yeah, oops. <laughs> So, you know, I, I had left the office before the severe weather and I got a call, you better get back here. And I came back in and it's raining inside my office and all my electronics are just, you know, just swimming in water and just, it's just a mess. And I walked into the office and it's, everything is wet. And, and, you know, I don't, Jonathan, it was one of those instinctive things because I've been working really hard at, 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 at seeing God's providence and everything. And I looked up and I said out loud, nobody was around. I said, I'm still the most blessed person I know because I really believed at that moment that whatever God has in store, I'm good with. Now, of course, the next moment was, okay, how do I run my business now? What am I supposed to do? And then a little bit of the fear and all of that comes in, but it was seated in gratitude first. And to this day, several months later, it is so much easier to deal with being misplaced you know, I'm in a space now that's about one quarter of the size and everything's <laughs> crammed in. But you know what? I have a space and I can work and, it, and I can see God's providence all the way through. So whatever happens in our lives, just look up and be blessed and then cope with what you have to do. Nice. Thank you. Point number eight in these 12 points of, of gratitude towards God. Gratitude leads to joy. And we had talked about joy very briefly in the first segment. We're coming back around to that now. Uh, and we're going to be quoting Nehemiah 8.10. But, you know, let's just get a little context here. After, against all odds, rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, the people now meet together to worship God. Nehemiah and Ezra are, are engineering this. They did some marvelous work rebuilding the walls to protect uh, Jerusalem. And here's what happens. Nehemiah 8.9-10. 
Then Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go, eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared, for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Remember, they were building the wall with a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other. (laughs) They were fending off their enemies while they were trying to build a wall in front of their own homes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Nehemiah stationed people in front of their homes to build the wall. It's like, you know, do a good job. You live there, right? (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of wisdom, isn't there? There (laughs) is. But, you know, here's the thing. They realized how short they had fallen, and that's why they were weeping, because they realized their sins. And, and, And the words of Ezra and Nehemiah are, look, The joy of the Lord is your strength. God knows. God understands. So even when we're confronted with our shortcomings, the joy of the Lord and his mercy and compassion are an overriding compensation. Do I remember to show gratitude in the midst of my shortcomings? Yeah. That's a tough one. Yeah, it is. It is. But we have to ask ourselves that question. Well, Rick, joy is not an emotion. It's a way of living. Yeah. See, joy is not dependent on what happens on the outside because it has a firm footing on the inside. And the joy of serving God through trial, through difficulty, is present. And it's impervious. True, strong Christian joy is impervious to the outside. And that's why, you know, we're looking at that other article saying, no, 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 you're not, you're not, you're not getting the point. You're not getting the point. Let's go on to this last point, Jonathan, of this segment. Gratitude, point number nine. Gratitude defies Satan's lies. This is big. Psalm 121, verses one through four. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. When we latch... Onto our faith in God, we are thankful and grateful for all things and become impervious to Satan. How do we fight Satan? We put on the armor of God and let God and Jesus do the fighting for us. Yeah, we have to be armed with the spirituality. Ours is not to fight Satan. Ours is to resist the devil. There's a difference. And we resist by being spiritually armed and by co-laboring with those around us. That's how we do it. You know, and, and so true gratitude can defy Satan's lies because Satan is trying to get you to believe his lies in your life. He's trying to get you to doubt God's providence. He's trying to get you to doubt God's direction for you. Are you going to go for it? Or are you going to stay strong in faith? You can test to see if you're living a life of gratitude to God by where you look for help. Is looking to God my instinctive reaction when in need? See, and again, we have instinctive human reactions, and it's not to look up. It's to look around. It's to find an excuse. It's to, it's to, it's to dive into platitudes. It's to do all of those things. But we need to develop the spiritual instinct that looks up to find our help. That's really what Psalm 121 is telling us. So back to... Do I choose an attitude of platitudes or an attitude of gratitude? Are my faith and joy secure as a result of my gratitude-based acceptance of God's providence? If this security is in place, I am far more prepared to fend off the adversary's attacks. Okay, What's your, give yourself a security check and see what it is that you really, truly are basing the things that you protect your life on. What, what's the basis? Is it godly? Or is it earthly? I can do this. No, 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 we can't. We really can't. The deeper we go into our understanding of gratitude, the more powerful and life-changing it becomes. With all that gratitude does for us spiritually, can it help us with some basic coping skills as well? God-centered gratitude in some ways is limitless because God, His love and plan, are limitless. While this is an astounding realization, it's not the end of the gratitude story. No, no, no. Gratitude is a powerful counterbalance to our natural tendencies toward things like envy and anxiety. We just need to dig in and apply 
what we're learning. And folks, that's what this is. We are looking at gratitude in the year 2020 when all this stuff has gone wrong and saying, let's dig in to the thing that can help us cope in a much greater, more powerful, more spiritual, more fulfilling way. And that is gratitude. Great quote from John F. Kennedy. As we express our gratitude, we must never forget that the highest appreciation is not to utter words, but to live by them. (laughs) Words, platitudes, okay? Live. How am I living? Okay, what about platitudes, Jonathan? Well, platitudes build strong, self-protective walls around our egos. Gratitude is not a wall. It is an inviting pathway that always needs tending and refreshing. Our human nature finds security in walls and repels the vulnerability of having an inviting attitude of gratitude. See, with an attitude of gratitude, you invite disrespect, you invite people teasing you, you invite being misunderstood, you invite uh, being looked at as somebody who's just not practical. But all of those things are Satan's lies. Because an attitude of gratitude says... I believe in God's providence, and I want his providence as my overriding factor in every part of what I say, do, and think. We have to decide. The platitudes, build the walls, or plow that path and, 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 and uh, develop it and, and encourage others as you go. It's an incredible difference in our lives. Let's go one last time to that CNN article, You Have Permission to Not Be Thankful, uh, on th- this Thanksgiving. And again, uh, not so much. But anyway, let's, let's listen to the article. We've all heard from any number of self-help research and books and podcasts and gurus that gratitude is a necessary embodiment to help us live fulfilling lives. But the truth is, sometimes gratitude just isn't possible. Mm. Still, we might try in small ways to attach to some hope before diving back into that apple pie. As we approach the holidays dominated by losses, uncertainty, and human depravity, we can still be open in a gentle way to noticing what is good in our lives, what or who is holding us, a child's smile, a poem, someone's love, perhaps spirit, Watts-Jones said. We can allow appreciation for whatever beauty we may see, even in the face of suffering, and if not, accept that at this moment it is enough to be where you are. After our brief interlude with gratitude, feel free to snuggle back up to your inner bah humbug. Now, you know, Jonathan, the sad thing Uh is she got close, you know, started talking about things that you can truly have gratitude for. But she's saying, well, yeah, just just dip your toe into this a little bit and then just go back to to feeling miserable. Well, you know, great for you. Well, it's really not great for anybody. But no, that's not where we're going because gratitude changes the difficulty. It doesn't take the difficulty away. It doesn't take the trial and make it smaller. It just helps us navigate through it with more surety. That's what this is really all about. And again, let's do the comparison. Let's go back to Tanmeet Sethi in her story about she and her three-year-old son with this debilitating disease. And again, folks, I told you, listen really carefully to the last soundbite, but this is the final one. So here is the conclusion that we need to hold on to. Here is her powerful powerful lesson of gratitude and its result. Slowly but surely, this nightmare situation started to feel like a life of meaning. A challenging life, but one full of meaning. Gratitude had created a buffer, a safe space in which I could take a breath with my pain instead of fighting against it. So even in the midst of my emotional turmoil, Small things and even joy had room to grow. I could take a breath with my pain instead of fighting against it. Do you see the incredible, profound change? And the trial is no less, but the pathway is sure because you now have accepted these are the things I've got to deal with. And look, Jonathan, there's a lot of people that have a lot of issues that will never go away in their lives. Lots of issues. I mean, how many people have anxiety and depression and all these kinds of things, or, or, or they, they're in a very disadvantaged place of living, or, or they're without food, or they're without shelter, or they're without, they're without, they're without. But if we can accept whatever it is that we have to deal with and say, okay, 
here's the path. Let me embrace the path and just take the next step and be thankful because God's providence can be with me. What a powerful what, thing. What a practical, uh, amazing uh, experience that yeah. she's sharing with us. And she even brought joy yeah. into her life. That is, it's a miracle. It's yeah. beautiful. Well, our last two comments from Bill Murphy Jr. Be grateful for your people, not only your family, friends, and coworkers, but also be grateful for your rivals and enemies. We get knowledge from even those relationships. And lastly, be grateful for hope and faith. They, they're prerequisite to optimism. Optimistic people are the ones who achieve the greatest success and happiness in life. Man, and, and again, you get this sense of gratitude plays a part in all of that. It fits so well with, with this story. See, here's the thing, Jonathan. True gratitude is never forced. When we have difficult experiences or circumstances, it's our challenge to find gratitude, not, not force it. Even if we don't feel thankful, we can still find gratitude. How? By acknowledging the God-centered facts of whatever it is that we're facing and leaving behind our perception-born fiction. It's a matter of fact versus fiction. Beautiful. Tenth point out of the 12, gratitude guards against envy. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It talks about the body of Christ, verses 14 through 20. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body. It is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And jumping down to verses 25 and 26, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. You know, think about the old uh, story of the three musketeers, one for all and all for one. Mm -hmm. That's what the apostle is describing here. Whatever the part is that you play, rejoice in that. Be grateful for that because you're part of something big. As Christians, it's easy to look around and see what we don't have. Gratitude says to see what you do have as part of something much bigger. Do I easily appreciate my small part in God's bigger plan? You know, that's a hard question that we have to ask ourselves because, you know, a lot of times we may not get the the big role. But what do you do with what you're given? You just, you take it and you run and you rejoice in it and gratitude makes it more powerful. Whatever the, the, the smallness is that we get to do, gratitude makes it even more powerful. So gratitude guards against envy. This is huge. It's a life changer. Point number 11, gratitude helps us live in the present. Matthew 6, 27 to 33. And who of you being worried can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, do not worry then, saying, What will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So, you know, Jesus is really saying, live in the present. Don't worry about other things. Don't worry about those things you cannot control. Accept and rejoice in what you have in front of you. And Jonathan, we were talking quite a bit about living in the present uh, before we got started with the podcast, and you, and you shared some, some, some experiences of your own life. Yeah, well, Rick, I really wanted to enter into every detail of life with those around me, and I really made a commitment to live in the present. When my wife is trying to communicate with me, I shut off the distractions, say, you know, what, what do you need? 
Oh, wait, 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 wait. Stop, stop right there. Gentlemen, for those of you who are married, I want Jonathan to repeat what he just said. (laughs) Go ahead, repeat that, please. Shut off the distractions. By the way, that's the television sometimes, uh, (laughs) or music, anything that's in the way, focus and be in the present. And and a word came to mind, be vital in Hmm. your experience. Be the blessing or the helper when you can be. Because why? Gratitude will be a result of, of being in that moment or a lack of interest. There's nothing in that moment when you just aren't a part of people's lives. That's big. That's really big. That's <laughs> amazing. Folks, we got to focus exactly on those things. Live for today. Just, like yes, uh, just let yesterday be. Let tomorrow come when the sun rises. All right. Let tomorrow come when the sun rises. And yesterday, just let it be. Okay, what's today? What does today bring? And that brings us to the final point, which is really a culmination of all these things, and that is point number 12. Gratitude is a testimony. Now, the first part of this text we're going to read from Second Peter was already referenced earlier in the podcast. But here we're going to look to see how it leads to a testimony. So let's reread First Peter 2, 9 and 10, and then we'll go on to verses 11 and 12. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So here, again, we're reviewing what we talked about a little bit earlier. There's this incredibly special calling if you're a true Christian. And it's got this incredible privilege, chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, a people for God's possession. That's, in, that's, that's beyond any of us. So we have gratitude for that. But here now, here is where the testimony part comes in, verses 11 and 12. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing which they slandered you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. So it doesn't matter how our attitude of gratitude is received by others in the world in which we live today. Because what the Apostle is saying is, keep your behavior excellent. Oh, so-so amongst the Gentiles. <laughs> no, no. No, no, you didn't. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> you know, strive for the greatest part of you to, to show the goodness of God's plan through how you behave. And by living with gratitude, that's, that's what happens. Well, Rick, isn't our goal as a Christian to be a living testimony? Yes, yes. And gratitude is one of the most easily understood parts of our Christian testimony. People get when somebody has a lot of gratitude. They're able to see that much more clearly sometimes than they can see faith. So you want to be a great witness? Start with gratitude. It's a great place to start. Live with life-changing gratitude towards God is now and will be a powerful testimony to all around us. What will my present life testimony say to others in the kingdom? So what this is saying really is, okay, you're living here, you're living now, you are developing your testimony. What does it look like? And again, even if people around you don't appreciate it, if you are truly, deeply convicted by God's providence and God's will and God's plan, and you have gratitude for those around you and and, and whatever it is that's happening, look, a lot of times people see things and don't ever tell you, and then you find out, you know, years later, you did this or that, and boy, did that change my life. Well, wow, <laughs> didn't know. And, Had no idea. <laughs> yeah. What kind of testimony am I living? Our final question, do I choose an attitude of platitudes or an attitude of gratitude? Do my daily expressions of gratitude have life-changing strength or are they just a veneer? Where there is envy and anxiety, there is room for deeper gratitude. Seeking this deeper God-based gratitude is a testimony to God's love. It really is a testimony. And folks, that's what this is about. So when we say we're talking about gratitude today, you know, maybe your initial reaction was, oh, oh, 
big deal. <clears throat> yes, big deal. It really is a big deal. This is something that we really, really want to focus in on and say, this can change everything. The question is, am I going to be in a position where I am willing to change everything by getting rid of the platitudes, being honest, being humble, being sincere, and looking at God's grace, finding the deepest gratitude and, and being unafraid to latch onto it so I can live that deep gratitude with passion and thereby being a witness to Jesus Christ. No better way to live. Have gratitude every day, no matter what. Think about it. Folks, listen, we really do want to hear from you. Give us your feedback or send us your questions on this episode and other episodes at ChristianQuestions.com. Also, a big part of spreading the word about our program is subscribing to Christian Questions in iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever your favorite podcast channel is, please rate us and review us. We'd greatly, greatly appreciate it. Now, coming up next week, different kind of subject. Is it faith or works that get us to heaven? It's going to be a two-part series. Is it faith or works that get us to heaven? Talk to you next week.